This is an SBC Media Partners production. Swung on, hit high and deep. Right field. Good 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 it is Phillies fans, these are your glove stories with Murph. Let's check out Greg Murphy. Murphy, you got a special guest, huh? Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Glove Stories with Murph, presented by Bet Parks Casino Sportsbook and App the Shive Vintage Sports and Phillies Nation. And we thank them for being with us today. We thank all of you for being with us today. And you can sit back and just, uh, you're in for a real treat. Because not only do we have two Phillies Wall of Famers here on the program today, but we have uh, one of the best to ever put on a Major League Baseball uniform. He is a Hall of Famer in 2018 and two men that made an indelible mark on the Phillies organization. We welcome in both Jim Tomey and Charlie Manuel to the episode today. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Uh, Charlie, I'll get to you in one sec, but let me welcome Jim since uh, he is a first timer here on Glove Stories. Jim, it's great to see you and we appreciate you doing this. And, uh, you know, I know you only spent a couple of seasons in a Phillies uniform, but you you do understand the impact that you had on this organization, do you not? Well, yeah, and the impact that it had on me, I think that goes both ways. I, I, you know, I really loved my time there. I loved everything about Philadelphia when I left Cleveland. You know, it was it was really my first move after spending a long time in one place. And everybody from the organization to uh, the front office to the players, the fans, everybody welcomed me with open arms. And it's it was a wonderful as a, as as all of my experiences were in baseball. Philly was really great for me because it helped me grow up. As I said, I, I left a place that I loved and still yeah. do. Uh and, and the people there were absolutely fabulous and amazing. It was great. Well, they certainly uh, loved your time here as well. And, and speaking of impact, as uh, we bring in Charlie Emanuel, uh, we all know the impact that uh, Charlie has had on the Phillies organization, but the impact that you and Charlie have had on one another uh, is well-documented, but we're going to talk about it today. Charlie, I, you know, just when we logged on today and you got a chance to see Jim's face, you know, it, it, you light up as you always do. Uh, I know your, your relationship with Jim is a very special one, is it not? Yeah, without a doubt, perfect. Uh, if there's any guy, uh, all the years I've been with Jimmy, I definitely feel like his dad, really. And uh, he had one of the greatest fathers. I, I, uh, I know how much he really respects his dad and things like that, but I still look at Jimmy because of all of our conversations and all the time that we spend together. And, and you know, like, and I pull a mixly for him, you know, like anything he does in life, things like that. It's always an enjoyment for me to see him and talk to him, you know, but, uh, that's kind of the relationship that we've had, you know, ever since I first saw him, uh, hit a baseball. Yeah. And, and, and Jim, you can never have too many men like that in your life. Right. I mean, we're all, uh, born with, with a father, but then, yeah. you know, you, you meet men across, uh, the years that, uh, that also have huge impacts. Well, there's, there's no doubt, doubt it's, it's well-documented my relationship with Charlie. Everything you hear is true. He is, he is truly a father figure and has been that, you know, I obviously and my dad, you know, would always say to me, well, what would Charlie say? What would Charlie do? <laughs> and he knew the respect that I had for Charlie and the respect that Charlie gave our family I love him. I love him like a father. I will. It's a very unique, you know, it's a unique relationship. Look, you know, we, we could tell stories forever, how he pushed me, how he drove me, how he, how he protected me as a young player. Now that I'm 51 years old, looking back at my career, I get all the things now that he did along the way not only myself, but a lot of those guys in Cleveland and in Philadelphia. The, he has a wonderful way with how to deal with players. And that's a special, unique gift that a coach, a manager has that he can, he can push you, 
He can call you in his office and put his arm around you. But at the end of the day, I, I, I don't think there's a better, finer baseball man to ever be around this game. And, and I'm not the only one to say this. No, I, I know you're not because I've heard it from others as well. He could put his arm around you, but he could also put you in a headlock if he had to. That, he, he's, he's done that to me a few times. Yeah, I, I remember I remember walking by his office, peeking in, and I could tell the mood that Charlie was in. And I knew out of respect, out of respect of our relationship as a player manager, player coach, there were times I would back off and same with him. It, 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 it was it was an absolute fabulous and is a fabulous relationship. And I just this day is great because I know we're going to have a blast. I know we're going to have fun. And anytime you can talk, talk baseball with Charlie, it's a gift. It is an absolute gift. That, that's exactly the way we feel about it. All right, let's let's bring you back because Jim, let's bring you back before you met Charlie, young player. You get drafted uh, out of high school, thirteenth round, thirteenth round uh, in 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 the draft. Uh, at that point, I'm I'm betting not a whole lot of people are saying Jim Tomey, Hall of Famer, 2018, right? So a lot had to happen going forward in your career to for you to become the player you were. You were undersized at the time, and uh, and and so what made you think to yourself, "I can get to the big leagues"? I'm I'm a guy that could, that can play in the major leagues. Did you think that at that time? Well, I would say this: great heart is a number one factor of any young player getting to the big leagues. You got to believe it. You got to want it. You got to want it more than anything on the earth. And for me. For me, when I met Charlie, you know, I, I grew up in a family. My brothers, you know, my brothers are bigger guys. My dad is a bigger guy. So, you know, I, I was when I signed, I was lean. I was long, but I was taller. Kind of. It reminds me of my son right now, who's young. Uh, but I think, you know, just just being around Charlie when I first met him, I knew this guy was tough. I knew he was. He had a great way about him, and I just was a puppy dog. I would listen. Anything he said, I took to heart. You know, if he told me to do this with my swing, I would. I mean, and I did. I did it. I felt that was the greatest gift of our relationship mm -hmm. is we, I and, and Charlie, we both worked with each other, and he had so many great ideas that in the cages, we would go to the cage and he'd say, try this. And even in the game, in the game, he would, you know, he would tell me to try this. And you can't be afraid as a player. You have to know yourself, which the old cliche of a Charlie Manuel's know thyself. That's right. But at the end of the day, you have to be a you have to be able to try things. And one of the greatest things he ever told me was a little bit means a lot. And when I say that, like one little adjustment you make, and we could get into that with my with my story in Scranton, mm -hmm. you know, when he opened me up and moved my back foot closer to home plate, <laughs> when he did that, it changed, everything changed overnight. Wow. He freed my hips up. He got me plate coverage. And more than more importantly, then I felt and became in my mind dangerous when I went to the batter's box. And that that's the effect that he has. Yeah. So, Charlie, when you, you sit there and you listen to that, uh, and I'm sure you remember it in great detail, when you met Jim for the first time, I mean, the story goes, you, you watched him a little bit and you thought to yourself, there's there's a lot of potential here little things that, that we can work on, but there's a lot of potential here. Uh, how did you realize that so quickly? It, it, with, with yeah. Jim? Well, uh, first of all, you know, like when, uh, when I first met Jim, when he hit the ball, when what I say, when he hit the ball correctly, the ball come off his bat, the ball, the ball sounded different. Okay. Uh, uh, the first time I ever, that I ever really uh, saw him was in spring training and he had a, he had a ground ball base hit, over the third base bag and buddy bale and i were sitting right together real close 
you know, and, and uh, Jim was a young uh, teenage kid. So uh, uh, he got forced out at second base. He come back across the diamond and he got, you know, when we were sitting real close to Murphy and he got in between us. <laughs> and and he was looking at up uh, he was looking at me and he's looking at Buddy Bill and he's like a little kid and it was like he's wanting us to give him some attention. We kind of blew him <laughs> off. <laughs> and, and then before he went back out in the field, we said, nice hitting kid like that. And, uh, and from that day on, really, I mean, he, uh, you know, like I would say, I seen him a lot every day in spring training. Yeah. And I saw him in extended spring. What, what people, what people don't realize when I go down to Florida and I watch our young kids, I see a lot of Jimmy Tommy's there. Yeah, uh, uh, listen, I I, I okay. can take you down there and show you some D- Jimmy Tommy's, but you know something, Murph? People have a hard time believing what I say when I when, you know, like when I look at somebody and tell them, "Hey, I like this kid. I like that kid." Jimmy Tommy, you know, like he's a guy that he had good power, and the ball come off his bat, and he he hit mostly. He was closed at the plate, and he hit mostly to left field. He, he hit mostly from just the right of center field to left field. Mm-hmm. And w- w- I always thought, and watching him in BP, and the, and, and the time when, when I first met him, I always thought, well, we've got to get him to pull the ball, but we don't want to take nothing away from left field. Kind of uh, Actually, when I think of that, about that, I see Verlin on our team and, and uh, Baum and uh, even uh, Castellanos, you okay. know, like – for them to be a real good complete hitter, they got to pull some balls. Yeah, they got to hit some. That is their power. And my when I looked at Jimmy and how strong he was, even though he was slim and, and in really good shape, I thought to myself, it, his power is still pulling the ball. You know, like that is his big power. But now we don't want to take away left field because guys like Jimmy and Ryan Howard were, for me, were big guys who the ball could travel a little bit on and they could still hit the ball out of left field easy. Yeah. You know, like I've, hey Murph, I've seen Jimmy hit balls over in Detroit. They talk about how big Detroit is. I've seen him hit balls the left field there. That was a, a farther than right hand hitters. At <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and so therefore, you know, like uh, uh, the time I spent with him, you know, like, uh, it took him a while, really, when he went. I always thought they took him a little bit too early to the big leagues. He won. He won a batting title in Double uh, A, yeah. and he and to win a batting title, of course, you got to be a good hitter. And he hit like I forget what Jimmy seven, eight, nine home runs and things like that. But you know, like he he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't that complete hitter. He always wanted to be a complete hitter. I always talked about him mastering his craft. And being a and, and being a complete hitter, and so therefore, you know, like when he went to the big leagues for the t- first time, and they sent him back to me, you know, like I think that uh, Jimmy was really just finding out what pro ball was all about, yeah. and it took him a while to realize, you, you know, you, you know him. He got to know himself, and he got better. I re- I remember, you know, like when they sent him back to me in AAA baseball, and they were kind of down on him, but at the same time, you know, like one night. I tell the story about him making five errors and he was in my office and he says, I made five errors. And I said, no, you didn't. You made seven really because you didn't go get the last two balls. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, in things like that. but also, you know, something funny, Jim was that same year when we won a championship over there in Vancouver, first yeah. one in Cleveland that ever won in triple A ball for a hundred and some years, they never won. And uh, uh, Jim was a star of the game. Not only uh, he hit a three-run home run, it actually helped win the game. And but he also made some defensive plays at third base, one at the end of the game to win it for us. And and uh, he come a long ways. And the, I always used to tell him the last year I had him in AAA baseball, and everybody in baseball would ask him, "Hey Jim, when are you going up? When are you going? Uh, when are you going to the big leagues and things like that?" And he'd come and ask me. He'd say, "Charlie, uh, when am I going back to the big leagues?" I said, "You ain't ready to go yet. Just relax." <laughs> and uh, and I say, "Next time you go up, you're going to stay." Yeah. And I, I remember telling him that and yeah. things like that. It wasn't like that 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 I was holding back or nothing like that. But I could tell when and John. John Hart called in there one day. I never will forget this. This was in August or something like that. And he says, what about Tommy? I said, he's ready. 
and he took him right to the major leagues, and the rest is history. But, uh, but, uh, hey, Murphy, that, that gives me chills. About, <laughs> uh, the, the, the time that he's talking about, oh, it was in Scranton, and that's when we opened him up. And yeah. actually, it only took us about a half an hour or 15 minutes because uh, I was coming through the locker room that day, and we had a natural on TV. And I didn't, when once we got to the ballpark, you, my rule was you had to turn the TV off. Now, uh, and I come through there and I told them to turn it off. And these guys, they were telling me, hey, no, Charlie, let us watch it. It's at this good stage of the show, things like that. And I looked up and Nacho had his hand, you know, like pointing like Jim does, you know, like with his bat and things like that. And when I watched him hit, I thought to myself, and I told Jimmy right at that moment, I said, that's you, let's go down the cage. You remember? I remember that just like it was yesterday. We go down in the cage. We spent about 15 or 20 minutes. I opened him up and I explained to him everything that's going to happen. And uh, Scranton's got Scranton's got a pitcher pitching that day, Abbott. He was a big left-hand pitcher. And also, too, you know, like we was talking about when Jimmy's were going to hit him. And I said, this guy's going to keep the ball a little bit away from you and things like that. And, uh, and uh, you got to stay on him. And the first time up, Jimmy st- and uh, Jimmy hit a home run to left center. But what was funny, there's a guy in our in our organization named Tommy Giadana. He was John Hart's right hand man and Hank Peters before too. And he told me, he said, I haven't seen uh, Tommy hit the ball out the opposite field much lately. And I told him, I said, Well, we've been working on him pulling some balls. He says. Well, you know, it'd be nice, you know, like I want to see if he can still hit the ball left field now. And the first time up, he hit the ball left center, he hit it a long way, <laughs> believe me. And then he comes back again. He he got a double, and then he came back again against a guy named Taylor, a big left-hand pitcher, like in that seventh or eighth inning, and he hit another one over in right field up on those rocks. And that's that's a long way. And he's been standing there ever since. He's had the yeah. same stats and things like that the rest of his whole career. It, it so, Jim, so Murph, I want to, I want to, I want to jump in on this real quick. And as I, as I played and I understood, you know, like why you hit the ball to right center as a left-handed hitter. Why do you hit the center? Why do you hit the ball to left center? Well, when you think about it, where depth determines direction, if the ball gets deeper, Okay, I with Charlie moving me open, which slightly opened my hips. Now think about this, like a ball that gets back on the plate a little bit. If you go through that ball, the angle of your bat, that's your left center swing. Mm -hmm. If you come out a little more out front and the bat is square, that's your center field swing. If I go out a little more out front of that, and 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 hit the ball out front comfortably. Now, now that's the area that you can pull the ball. And yeah. I, you know, by right. if you're off the plate, if you and I learned this and I know this now because I'm older and I really have analyzed swings, is what he did, it wasn't that he was taking left center away from me. But what he he made it harder for pitchers to throw strikes in an area and and do it consistently without missing a little bit out over the plate. That was my middle of the plate. That's right. what he basically wanted to create when he did it. And and because you had success right away with those changes, I would imagine it became easier for you to say. I can trust this. I can stay with it. What What do you think would have happened had you not had success right away? Well, I think I think I I feel I feel this. I feel this. But this goes back to why isn't he going to the big leagues? Why? So this is where Charlie Mm -hmm. comes in, and this is the great baseball man he is. He knew for me to go to the big leagues. Eventually, I had to hit the ball inside, and I had to hit the ball out front comfortably. And by, by spending a little more time in AAA, you know, what, what it would have done, Murph, I, I feel like, you know what, I would, have been a, I would have been a left center, center field hitter, probably wouldn't have peaked out with my power to the degree that 
those balls, if I would have stood where I normally stood, those balls away, I would I would have hit them to left center, but I don't feel I could have hit those to center field mm-hmm. and right center the way I did as I progressed by making that move. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Hey, hey, Murph, let, hey, yeah. uh, also, too, before we get too far ahead, uh, and uh, Jimmy's got he, – he, he can tell you more about this than anything – Actually, Jimmy, his whole career, he was he was more of a right center, uh, left center hitter. And even though in the big leagues, when he got to the place where he pulled the ball strongly, he never hit too many foul balls. He would he never used that real good strike to be a and to pull foul and behind behind an account and mm-hmm. things like that. And we that's. The, the everything you talk about in the game nowadays. And you know, like that's why you don't want to teach people to hook the ball foul and always be behind an account is because, you know, like uh, it's hard for them to hit with two strikes sure. on them. Uh, yeah. Ryan Howard always felt like that he did not want to hit, uh, pull the ball because of that. And he, and he never felt comfortable. And Jimmy will tell you, and so will Ryan, he never felt comfortable really, you know, like hooking balls, you know, like in the right field corner, which is, can be a tremendous hit, but at the same time too, he always felt like right center and left center was where, you, you know, like he wanted to live to stay in on the baseball. Yeah. The yeah. difference in Jimmy's hitting and uh, Ryan Howard's, uh, Ryan Howard had had a kind of a, like a, a nice, easy picturesque swing. Jimmy took a swing at the ball. I thought, <laughs> hey, hey, I thought, uh, hey, 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 Jimmy's a guy, you know, like really, you know, like he put something into a swing. He was, yeah. a, he was just more of a, he was a more of a slasher and more of a, you know, like a guy that took a rip and uh, very dangerous. I've heard uh, one day I, on uh, a TV on uh, MLB, I heard uh, Mike, Michael, Mark Leiter, he was mm-hmm. talking and he was kind of kidding, but he said, and uh, he said, uh, although Jimmy, he says, if I knew what Jimmy, what kind of hitter he was, I would have th- threw him down and in more. And I thought to myself, no, you wouldn't, because that's his power. <laughs> and, the, and one of the biggest thing, one of the, one of the biggest things about Jimmy is too, when he's hitting, and a guy will be getting him out, and I wouldn't, I would, I, I would, wouldn't let him move. You know, like I would make a statement, no, you stay right there at your strength. You're going to get him before the night's over. And believe me, he would get him. I mean, really, not. I, right yeah. or wrong, Jim. <laughs> yeah, stay in there. That's your strength. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just going to say, Murph, the journey, the journey that we had together of the good and bad times, the the walking down to the cage, whether you didn't have it or whether you found it, it was always how do you get it? How do you keep it? And that work, that work that we did every day. Man, that's I think that's what I miss the most. I miss obviously I miss competing and you know getting in that batter's box, but boy, going to the cage and trying to find your swing. And when you found it, how do you maintain it, keep it, and then understand the grind, the long haul of what it takes. And and the other thing, look, look. I know this was the biggest thing that Charlie taught all of us is how to be an everyday major league player to have the mentality that I'm going to play 155 plus games a year. And how do you do that from a mental frame and be ready to go every day to do that? Now, sometimes your body doesn't let you, you know, uh, but that's his gift. That was his biggest gift is, is knowing and when to push us and, and also being very smart when we needed a day off, he would do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that's the one thing that unless you're a part of Major League Baseball every day for a full season, season after season, that you don't understand just how difficult it can be from a mental standpoint, just from a, from a travel and, and physical standpoint uh, to get out there and, and try and do it, especially in a game that is more failure than success uh, on, yeah. on any given night. And um, and, and for, for, for the great players. 
they figure that out. They, they, they find a way and they get out there and they do it. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shive Vintage Sports. This week in 1903 saw the only documented instance in which A's Hall of Famer Rube Waddell pitched against the legendary Rube Foster of the Cuban X-Giants, also a Hall of Famer. The X-Giants of the Negro League recorded 11 hits off the eccentric Waddell and won the game 6-3. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shive Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13 and Walnut Streets or at shopsports.com. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. All right, I, I know you guys have a great story. Boardwalk and baseball. I want to. I, I want to hear this this conversation because this was another one of those grind sessions. I guess uh, early. In, I guess, Jim, in your second year where Charlie was working on some things with you? Charlie will tell his version and I'll, <laughs> I'll start it. But I, I mean, this goes back to us working. This goes back to he took me out on a backfield at Boardwalk and Baseball. We were on a and the roller coaster, you know, which Boardwalk and Baseball yeah. had a huge roller coaster in right field. And this is where again this is the greatness of charlie manuel he knew that i had trouble hitting the ball inside it was probably at that point charlie that we had not opened up yet so uh, yeah. you were trying to get me to pull the ball i was i in my mentality that day was to pull the ball so he's throwing me bp which he always when he got intense, he would start throwing harder and he'd start throwing harder and he drilled me. He drilled me in the ribs. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is like game type situation. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to take you deep here. I'm going to, I'm going to go. So he, he knew how to motivate and sure enough, it was the first ball I ever pulled to right field for a homer, and it hit the roller coaster, and he accomplished what he wanted to do that day by drilling me. And I don't, I don't even, I don't think he drilled me on purpose, but he was throwing me on the trademark of my hands, and it's 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 funny because. I work with my son, and one of the biggest things right now, he's 14 going into 15. He'll be 15 years old. And one of the things I do when I start seeing his back get a little lethargic, it brings back memories of boardwalk and baseball. And I start throwing him. <laughs> but, but luckily, I haven't hit my son yet. In the yeah. like, Charlie, like Charlie hit me. So oh, I'll let Charlie God. tell the story. Charlie, I, I, how accurate was that story? <laughs> it wouldn't, I, I want to tell you something. That's his version. <laughs> hey, my version is that I told him, you know, like I was throwing him in there and he kept, you know, like, and he wasn't doing what we wanted to do, get done. <laughs> and I told him, I said, I'm going to hit you. And, and I did not mean to hit him, but I hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hit him good, too. 
But oh, now, Murph, listen to this. There's a couple of things I want you to tell you about Jimmy. Listen to this. It's right here. True story. Jimmy is hitting back, back when Jimmy first came to the big leagues. You had to be a good hitter and you had to know how to hit in the count and things like that. And we're sitting there one night with the bases loaded and we're down by two runs. And Mike Hargrove tells me, he asked me, he says, you think I'll let Jim hit 3-0 right here? and uh, Hopefully he'll, he'll pull the ball. Uh, he'll hit a ball to right center. And I looked at him and I said, uh, yes, I w- yes, I would like for you to let him hit 3-0. And I said, but I hope that he pulls it. And I pointed about 150 feet foul. And and I told Hargo, I said, I hope he's trying to hit it up there. And Hargo looked at me and he says, that don't make sense. What is that? And I said, because if he's thinking up there, I've got a feeling he's going to hit it about 40 feet away from a line or in right center. He hit a line drive rocket in the right center, man. <laughs> and uh, he never told me what he was looking for at, but at the same time, I was p- pointing where I wanted him to hit the ball yeah. because I knew his swing and things like that. And the beauty of his swing was was the fact that he did not get w- way out too far out front and, and also lose his, uh, lose his balance. And he stayed tremendously on his backside, big-time backside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, uh, uh, the rest of the, uh, uh, the other story I was thinking about, I didn't kind of done forgot it really, but no, I can <laughs> tell you so many stories. He can tell you so many stories. It's un- unreal really. And, and sometimes, oh yeah, this is the big one I want to tell. All right. <laughs> I used to try to make Jimmy Tommy tired. I used to try to You're make him tired and BP. I would, he would hit, check this out. About five years ago, when I was in, went to the minor leagues, or four years ago, something like that, they had a rule where nobody can uh, take over 60 swings, you know, like a BP. And I thought to myself, wow, what a, how bad that is. Jimmy <laughs> I'm told sure me, that's exactly what you thought. <laughs> all right, now listen, Jimmy told me was warming up. At 200 to 250 swings, I guarantee, because I used to throw to him, and he and we're talking about him hitting anywhere 45 minutes to an hour a day. Yeah, and he was he was just getting warm, and so and so was Albert Bell the same way. I used to try to tire him out. You know why? Because when when he's all up and uh, psyched up, ready to hit and things like that, he would swing too hard sometimes, and and he'd come back and he'd have a bad night or something, and I think to myself, well, he lives swinging too hard, man, i got to slow him down, and I always talked about slowing him down, so he did right, I always talked about slow down, slow down, Down, and you know why, because his adrenaline would start going, and he would he'd be he'd just start swinging big, and you know, like, but at the same time, he hit a lot, sometimes I think he don't know how much he really hit, but he also not only did he hit a lot, but he took a lot of ground balls and things too. He was he was very you know like he he did a lot to stay in good shape, and right. he was always prepared for the baseball game as far as physically and mentally. And uh, but now I he used to be warming up at two fifty. I'm telling you. Yeah, times I mean, times are changing in that regard. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, we're not changing because he used to hit a lot. Yeah, no load management back uh, when. Uh, <laughs> hey, Jim, those those days in Cleveland, um, yeah. those teams. I mean, you look at the roster up and down. What phenomenal teams! Two World Series appearances, uh, like four or five playoff appearances. Uh, pretty special times, I would imagine, in your career. I know you didn't win it all, but still, I, a pretty pretty special indeed to be playing with those guys and for those men. No, no doubt about it. I I feel. Well, honored, lucky, fortunate that I came up in an organization. We had great, we had great instructors. We had great baseball men that taught us all how to play, taught us how the, 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 taught us how to, you know, master your craft, have the work ethic of an everyday player. And let's face it, you know, like having great players around you, if you can filter into that, it's it's huge, right? Like we had great veterans, you know, we had great young players, we had pitchers that were leaders. Uh, I mean, I I I really I really want to say like John Hart, O'Dowd, Dan, and then Mark Shapiro when he was younger coming up, 
you know, they did everything. And Mr. Jacobs, Dick Jacobs was also a great owner that wanted to win. And look, we had an amazing run in the 90s, went to two World Series. As you said, you know, very, I mean, heartbreaking. You know, we we had the type of team that we felt we were going to go to the World Series every year. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't accomplish that. But boy, to be in that arena, to be in that moment and be able to compete every year. You know, when I hear people say, the two greatest offenses they've ever seen were the 75 Reds and our Cleveland teams. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how accurate that is, but I that makes you proud, man. That makes you and the guy that I'm on with here was the he was the constructor. He built it all. And that's what's special. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie, I, you know, I know you think back on those days in Cleveland as well. And you think, I mean, obviously you were gifted with, with great talent, but, but right. as we're learning, right. You know, even today, you know, right. you have to mold that talent. You have to, you have to nurture right. it and, and not just Jim, but the rest of that lineup right. as well. Um, and to have the success right. that you guys had, it's probably, right. you know, I know it's special for yeah. you. As well. Hey, Murph, they, uh, Nowadays, you know, like the batting average becomes a big uh, conversation. Ask, ask Jimmy when he first met me and we first started playing for me. Uh, on our team, uh, we talked hitting 300. Yeah. That was the A. And we always thought, like I used to tell Jimmy and guys like all the, all the guys that were home run hitters, if you hit 300, you will hit more home runs. You will hit your home runs and things like that. And nowadays, when they say put up numbers, you know, like I look at that and I think and it's, it goes against what I was teaching, really. Yeah, I was teaching. I was teaching master your hitting and and, and your craft and things like that. And uh, uh, if I don't know if Jimmy ever stopped and thinks about it, I can't remember too many of our guys hitting 240. Do you, Jimmy? I mean, all of them hit 300. But now well, that, that meeting, me. Charlie, that meeting yeah. you had about, you know, like laying it on the line to us and saying, look, 240 is not good. Two, 260. Right. I mean, he, Charlie was saying 270, 280. Like you got to, <laughs> you got to push to hit like 290 to 320. And when right. he said that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to jump on board. I want to hit about 310. <laughs> Murph, Murph, the year I hit 52 in Cleveland, this is the honest truth. Charlie called me aside before we left spring training, and he said, Jim, I want you to focus on hitting 300. And, And all year long, I wanted to put more balls in play. I was always a high strikeout walk guy, but putting a few more balls in play and trying to just have good at bats in situations. I mean, you know, the proof was there. I mean, I had my best offensive year and then, and then ended up coming to Philly and had another really good year, my first year in Philly. So that, that mentality of of hitting 300 really helped. Jim, a side note, why do you think that has changed? And I know these are topics that you, you tackle on, on MLB network and and elsewhere. Why do you think, that mentality has changed because it seems so logical to me, you know? Well, I, I, I think, look, look, Murph, I, I think, I think the pitch, the pitching today, guys are throwing harder. Okay. The cutter, the cutter has evolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, look, we faced great pitching. We did. I know there's great pitching today. I can't get in the mind and the mentality of a present day player. But I, I will say this, boy, we've got a, we've got a talented group of kids right now that are really, really good hitters and to watch them all. we could go, I mean, gosh, we can name 20 of them to be honest. Uh, But I, I will say this, you know, like bullpens, Charlie bullpens today are throwing harder you know, yeah. and they're throwing the cutter. You know, I I don't think the game has changed to the d- degree of drastically, oh, my God. But I will say this, 
it seems that the velo today is a little harder to that to that yeah so yeah hey murph i i agree with what he's saying but at the same time too i think if we got good teachers and things like that the hit the like hitting coaches pitching coaches things like that uh definitely hitting i think if we uh velocity can be hit because the guy sitting there we talking to with today, if you throw the ball belt down on him, he didn't care how hard you threw, mm. really. I mean, I mean yeah. seriously, it's a, it's, it's a way of hitting velocity, and you don't hit velocity above your hands. It's, up, it's, proven, it's proven in the uh, 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 playoffs and World Series and things like that. When guys want strikeouts, they just go up above somebody's hands, and they want the guy – to swing up underneath the ball because he, yeah. there's only a short point there where he can make contact with it. Yeah. And that's Murph, why Murph, I'll say this. I'll, yeah. I'll say this Murph. I think, I think the launch angle is a huge thing. I think guys still threw hard back in our day, you know, you'd have to look at the difference between the velocity now and then say back in the nineties, but I will say the difference, too, is the launch angle has got more guys today swinging upward. So yeah. you're seeing more strikeouts, which could be an effect of, OK, is it velocity or you ask the question, is it more of the launch angle? You know, like when Charlie watched us, me, I can attest for me, when he watched me struggle, the first thing we would do is we'd come into a city, we'd get out on the field, and he would have me pound balls trying to swing down and pound balls in the ground and create this backspin to the second base and shortstop. And, and what that did is it wasn't that I was trying – well, the mentality was to try to swing down, but it leveled my swing out and got me back more in my groove. And I, I wonder if that's the cause today a little bit because we're trying to get too many balls in the air. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a lot to that right there. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, drills yeah. happening nowadays right. that you yeah. just described. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Murph, but, yeah. uh, Bottom line, see, back then, even Eddie Murray, Winfield, any of those guys, they would do, they would practice basically what Jimmy's talking about. Yeah. See, nowadays, if you, when you uh, tell somebody to hit, hit down on the ball, you know, like hit some one hoppers off, uh, off of the pitching screen and things like that, or low line drives, uh, uh, they say, oh, I don't want to hit ground balls, but we never taught ground balls. Did yeah. we, Jimmy? And, and, no. and all your career, nobody ever taught you how to no. hit a ground ball, did they? No. Hey, hey, we weren't. We were not practicing on, uh, uh, you know, like we were. We were working on the swing path, and then once we got the swing path corrected, and you start hitting balls out front, what happened, Jimmy? You got the ball in the air. Yeah. Hey, yes. you didn't have to worry about getting the ball in the air. And also, uh, Murph, you know, today, if you take a baseball, it's 108 stitches. And you, the first stitch on that, if you cut it in half the, and, and go down one stitch and hit the ball, that's about a 10-degree uh, 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 launch angle. And so, that. therefore, two stitches is 20-degree. So, all you got to do, Murph, is hey, just try to hit, hit the ball, hot, hot, the whole ball, and catch it out front. Yeah. You'll get balls in the air. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it makes it makes complete sense. It really does. Yeah. Uh, but that that we can talk about that probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me because I know we do not have uh, all afternoon, and I understand. This. I do want to get to this. <laughs> hey, hey, this. hey, we could have all uh, afternoon. Hey, you know, don't tempt me, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but let me let me bring you uh, fast forward because I want to ask you quickly about the time in Philadelphia. You guys are are reunited once again, Charlie. First, you were. Uh, a special assistant to, to the GM and then yeah. obviously become the manager uh, later. But uh, you guys get back together again. Jim, I know that time in your career was a very difficult decision. It, it really affected it affected Major League Baseball in, in a sense, in, in your decision on where you were going to play uh, in 2003. Obviously, it affected the Phillies organization and where they were headed. Um, so there was a lot to that decision. From a personal standpoint, once you made the decision, uh, you, you seem to me to be pretty 
comfortable and, and happy yeah. with that with that decision. Well, yes. and, that, and that comes from the organization. That came from the fans. That came from, you know, to be quite honest, like when we went in there to visit Philly, the organization laid out a great plan yeah. of we want to win a World Series. You could feel it. You could sense the passion. And, and you know, I look, look, I never won a World Series in Philly, but boy, watching those guys celebrate. Charlie was there, who was a father figure, great mentor. You know, like, even though you're not there at the time, you feel so proud and happy, not only for your for the players you were with, your brothers, but everyone involved, the organization, the fans. And to watch that, even though I wasn't there, the vision was to accomplish that. And as a player, that's ultimately, you know, why you play, is to have an organization that wants to win and and they did. And that's, you know, and I, as I said, there were so many wonderful things. I mean, the intensity every day you have to bring, not, not only in Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago, anywhere you go, you want to have great intensity. Philadelphia brings that out of you as a player. And it's, it's special. It's yeah. my time there will always be great in my mind and i just i absolutely loved everything that it brought you know those few years that that i was fortunate to play there yeah charlie uh, jim wasn't there in 2008 physically but but what he did for this organization uh he certainly was a part of that and part of the winning uh that you guys experienced in 07 and 08 09 going forward yeah, without a doubt, hey, Murph, uh, you can ask anyone on our team, uh, everyone, uh, what kind of teammate Jimmy is. I don't have to sit here and brag on Jimmy. He knows what kind of teammate he is. He, uh, he's really hard to beat. I mean, I've had some great great guys on teams, and, uh, it, and it takes great players to, to win championships. And Jimmy definitely was always on board with the winning part, always. It never You know, I can honestly say this. I, as far as uh, it never was about Jimmy Tommy himself. It was about uh, he did put people in charge. Last story, Murph. Listen to this. Yes. One. I'm getting on Sandy Alamore, Sandy Alamore one day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm getting on him because, you know, like he only calls fastballs when runners on base. And him and I got in a big argument. And Jimmy <laughs> Lockard right beside of him. Now, Jimmy didn't he didn't say nothing. So, you know, like we go out, we go out and practice and stuff like that. And we, and uh, during the game, Sandy and I got, got in the heat of argument again. So we come in after the game, Jimmy, I think Jimmy, I think Jimmy struck out four times. And he had <laughs> that his happened head a down. few times. <laughs> you, you, you know, I walk around the dugout, I mean, the clubhouse all, after a game where we win or lose and things like that. And uh, Jimmy's locking right there beside Sandy, and I was over talking to Sandy. And then when I walked away from Sandy, I looked at Jimmy and I said, "What's wrong with you?" And he looked at me and he says, "What were you and Sandy Alamore arguing about?" I go, "What?" I said, "Is that why you struck out four times?" And he goes like this: "He goes, yeah, Chuck, that might have had something to do with it." <laughs> I agree, but but stop and think of that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, exactly. He's he's worried about everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah he was he owned it. Some, he he actually he he wondered why I was jumping on Sandy yeah. for. Uh, that's, that, that, <laughs> but that, no, that's what, a, definitely great teammate, without a doubt. Yeah. All right, before before I let you guys go, actually, I have one more question for Jim, and then and I want to ask you about Vince Scully because yeah. uh, we lost Vince Scully this week, uh, just a giant in in Major League Baseball, and I, and I know you both have thoughts on him. But Jim, uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask you just quickly to tell us uh, about the moment uh, that you knew you were headed to baseball's hall of fame i mean I, we all knew it we knew it was happening a first ballot hall of famer but uh to be enshrined in cooperstown as a major league baseball player 
I mean, wow, right? So can you can you give us a little sense of that feeling? I mean, and, I, I mean, know you shared it with Charlie as well. Yeah, incredible. You know, you go through this long journey. You don't ever play the game to think you're going to make it to the Hall of yeah. Fame. And then when you when you reflect back and you look back, there's so many people that played such a huge role, teammates, coaches, you know, comfort level being in organizations that they make you comfortable, fan, fans, you know, motivating you and pushing you and wanting to have great teams and, you know, like, and you get that call, it's just absolute. it's a, it's a call that even today I'll never forget, you know, it's, it's, and the impact it has not only on you, but the people around you, your family, your friends, you know, Charlie, he knows what a major role he played. I would never have even come close to be a Hall of Famer had I not met Charlie Manuel, you know, and and there were others, you know, like on down the line. I was so fortunate through my career to be with great managers. Larry Bo is one. Let's yeah. not forget Bo. Bo is a great motivator. <laughs> I was around Tory. I was around uh, Gardy in Minnesota, you know, obviously Hargrove in, in Cleveland. You know, I, I, I was very, very fortunate to just be around based, great baseball men that, that I was fortunate to, to, I guess, reap the rewards of their knowledge and what they ultimately helped get me to that point. But it, what a, and then to go and now be like I just got back last week. Right. The fraternity that's in the Hall of Fame sitting out on the porch of the Oda Saga and to watch Johnny Bench and, you know, George Brett and to see Sandy Koufax. And it's surreal. It's honestly, I look at this and I go, man, like this was an incredible journey to get here. But boy, you feel really proud to be a part of that great fraternity. Well said. Uh, and you know, I can tell you that city of Philadelphia was so proud the day that uh, that you, they you got in, uh, and so excited uh, for you. And as were probably the rest of the cities that you spent some time in, uh, because uh, they got to know the kind of person you were, and uh, and that even more importantly, uh, a Hall of Fame kind of person. I know it's a cliche kind of thing to say, but it it's true when it comes to Jim Tomey. All right. Before we go, real quickly, speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, in the broadcaster's wing, there perhaps no one has ever done it better than Vin Scully. And Charlie, um, I know over the years you've uh, crossed paths with Vin many, many times. So what do you remember most about him? What do you respect most about him? Every time you see him and talk to you, it was always a, uh, uh, it was always a good conversation. It wasn't necessarily a, a laughing conversation, but, but it was uh, something that he uh, he was a very intelligent guy, and also yeah. he liked loved talking to people. And but one of the and the other, uh, I said it yesterday. I think uh, we used to have a our plane was you know a Dodger plane, yes. and uh, when I was there, and uh, I, I I can see right now I can uh, Vince Vince and his wife used to sit next to the last seat on the left-hand side of the plane every time we go on a road trip. And at that time, I don't know if I'm, I, I'm not really for sure if wives were supposed to go <laughs> with the players on, on, on you know, like uh, on, on a plane rides. But at the same time, I remember the seats, uh, seat that they sat in and things like that. And I remember uh, him talking to me all the time. And yeah. uh, uh, he always had information on you that you never would have thought, uh, uh, thought about. He had, He'd have stuff on you when you were an amateur player or something that he's that he read somewhere or or one of your coaches or something said something to him or something. He was always like that. Very yeah. very kind of refreshing guy. A voice uh, was, speaks for itself. It's a little bit different from Harry Callis, but both of them control your interest. They no hold your interest. It. That's a great way of putting it, for sure. Control yeah. your interest. Uh, yeah, he had a special kind of voice. Jim, what about you? I'm sure you crossed paths it's with him. similar. I, I got traded to the Dodgers, walked on the plane. As Charlie said, he was on the left-hand side. <laughs> and I remember my first road trip and meeting Vin was incredible. It, 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 he's a legend. 
He's he's yeah. a wonderful human being. The amazing thing is just think about think about like what he did and how he did it for so long. His voice is just it's 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 so special and you could go back over time and all the great calls he had in the game, you could listen forever. Like that's when that's when you'll we'll all look back and be so fortunate that we were able to meet him. It was a highlight of my career. I was only in LA for one year, but meeting and meeting him was just a joy, a pleasure. And I've been fortunate to meet, you know, meeting Hank Aaron was very special. I put Vin in that category because wow. he's so, he's such a legend at what he did. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, and, and I'll just echo those thoughts. I met him in, in 2012 when I joined the Phillies broadcast team for the first time and uh, and got a chance to meet Vince Scully. Uh, and he was so gracious and had time for everybody and and everyone that came knocking on his door, he had a smile for it. Yeah. He certainly will be missed, but what a career. So uh, rest in peace for sure, Vince Scully. Thanks for those thoughts, guys. Um, I think that's important that we that we honor him uh, today. And And let me say, you know, this has been a blast. And, and Jim, you're right. We could do this forever. <laughs> we really could. I'm sure you guys have hundreds of other stories that uh, that you'd like to tell. And maybe we will someday. But uh, I, I promise that I wouldn't keep you guys too long, and I'm not going to. But uh, Jim and Charlie, thanks so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed it, Jim. It was It's great to see. I know you're going to be at the ballpark this week. coming. Up. I did. I'm, I'm actually heading into Philly this weekend, you know, which I'm excited. It's, it's always a joy and a pleasure to see everyone obviously charlie's going to be there i look yep. forward to seeing him we'll we'll tell more great stories <laughs> and uh thanks for having me on this was a this was a, a joy this morning to talk baseball and just uh just to go back in time right like as yeah. you retire and you get going in life and to really reflect back on the wonderful things and and it's, you know, the wonderful things, honestly, is the opportunities of who you meet. And, you know, that that's what you remember the most. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, we, we love having you, Jim. Charlie, we love having you every week. You know yeah. that. Uh, yeah, thanks, Murph. <laughs> a big part yeah. of uh, what we do here at Club Stories each and every week, Charlie Manuel. Jim and Charlie, two of the best to ever put on a Phillies uniform here with us today on Glove Stories with Murph. We thank you guys, uh, and, and we'll see you this weekend. Thanks, yeah. fellas. See you, Murph. See you, All Charlie. Right. See, see you, Jim. Yeah, see man. You. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thanks so yeah, much. Bye. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shad Vintage Sports. This week in 1903 saw the only documented instance in which A's Hall of Famer Rube Waddell pitched against the legendary Rube Foster of the Cuban ex-Giants, also a Hall of Famer. The ex-Giants of the Negro League recorded 11 hits off the eccentric Waddell and won the game 6-3. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shad Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13 and Walnut Streets or at shopsports.com. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. BetParks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new BetParks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. 
Glove Stories with Murph is sponsored by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, along with Shine Vintage Sports and Phillies Nation, and is a presentation of SBC Media Partners. The engineer for Glove Stories is Chad Evans. Cindy Webster is our marketing and guest relations director, and our executive producer is Roger Haddon. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or downloading the podcast from one of the major podcast providers like Apple, Google, or Spotify, make sure to hit like and subscribe so that we can let you know when a new episode of Glove Stories is available. We'll release new episodes weekly throughout the 2022 Major League Baseball season.